Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Security. From St. Pete to Brandon, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. Good morning. It is six minutes after five on this Tuesday morning with your congeries of information, Jack Harris, Katie Bacino, and James Berlander. And you can join us at 800 969 9352, or you can text us at 82945, and just be sure and include your our call letters, WFLA, at the beginning of it. Still the big story, or certainly one of the big stories, the FBI raid at Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort down in South Florida. And now, more than a dozen FBI whistleblowers have come forward to Republican investigators in Congress, led by Congressman uh, Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio. And he's the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. And he said the number has risen to 14 FBI agents, whistleblowers, after the raid and during a conversation about the, politici- the politicization of the Justice Department, um, Jordan made the case that the public has figured it out when it comes that, that um, well, the problem is, and everyone agrees, is at the top of the FBI. It is the leaders of the Justice Department and the FBI that are bringing about these problems and they're certainly killing respect for the FBI but the politicalization of it certainly seems to be underway and it's interesting that these FBI agents have come to Republicans as whistleblowers and telling about what's going on there And, again, I think we're all well aware the FBI, as far as the agents are concerned, is an incredible organization. The people are outstanding. Uh, But when you get to the top again, those are political leaders, and this is what you have happening. It's being used by the Democrats to try to stop Trump from running for the presidency. And there are those who are now saying that this will make Trump a shoe-in for the presidency because he's going to pick up a lot of support from his party now as a result of what's happened down here with the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. And we've got a uh, Twitter poll on recreational marijuana, and we want to know if you are in favor of it or against it, and we'll have the results a little later on this morning, but 
Can they still vote now, Katie? It is over, unfortunately. It ended. Oh, okay. Well, we'll give you the results of that coming up here in a little bit. But If you want to chime in, though, you can always text us, 82945. Just start your text with WFLA. Yeah, and the other thing I'd like for you to text, 82945, with WFLA call letters at the beginning of it, is names of people from the Bay Area who've lived here, grew up here, whatever the case may be, who went on to become famous. People who would be eligible for our Walk of Fame, which if we ever get city council off their butts, we can get something done on that for sure, along with naming a street Webb's Way. I don't know why that's so difficult for them to get done. This is crazy. But I guess that's the way government works. Always slow. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's check out traffic now at 510 with John Thomas. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And Chris Trinkman in here from the newsroom at 15 minutes after 5. And I guess, Chris, we better let people know that the bridge is supposed to be open now. It was supposed to open at 5 a.m., the Howard Franklin southbound, which had been closed overnight. Yes, they were doing some uh, sign work on there, and uh, they closed it at 11, and it is expected to be reopened now. So hopefully that'll uh, keep traffic moving this morning as we get you know into the heavier traffic time this morning. Yeah, and if anybody makes that trip across there, uh, please give us a call. We'd like to hear what was done and what it's like and if you were able to make the trip across there. So, Jack, uh, there are a couple of big primaries today, but they're in small states, Alaska and Wyoming, but they're getting a lot of attention. Wyoming Congresswoman and Trump critic Liz Cheney is likely to lose her GOP primary against attorney Harriet Hegman who has the former president's endorsement. Wyoming and Alaska are so small, at least population-wise, that they only have one Congress person. So yeah. it's actually a statewide election in both those states, which is, you know, unusual when you think of places like Florida, where we have a whole bunch. Oh, yeah. But uh, in Alaska, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski faces a Trump-supported primary challenger after she voted to convict the former president in his second impeachment trial. And the candidate is somebody that you're familiar with, Jack, former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. Oh, yeah. On the ballot for the state's sole U.S. House seat. So we'll see how that turns out, because Alaska is kind of an unusual state. You know, they are generally... Uh, Republican when it comes to the presidential races, but they are known to vote independents and Democrats as well. So we'll see if uh, Murkowski survives or if she's going to be replaced by uh, Sarah Palin making her political comeback. Yeah, I met Sarah Palin one time up in uh, D.C. Yeah. And when we were in Alaska, we went by where Sarah Palin lived. <laughs> That's right. What was the name of that town that she lived in? It's uh, north of, uh, of Anchorage. Let's see. Is it Juneau? Nope. Juno's the capital. Yeah. She lived in a town called, it began with a W, and I just can't think of it. But, uh, yeah, she's got a nice place there. Did you see the view? It's incredible. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everywhere, it seems like everywhere in Alaska is just spectacular. But uh, Oh, I think it was, um, who was it? Wasilla. Wasilla is where she's from. 
Yeah, the governor of uh, Alaska had a house that was right on a hill, and you could just step off the sidewalk onto the porch, yeah. and there was the door. Oh, wow. And, I mean, you know, governors around the country generally have walls and protection and everything yeah. around their homes. This thing was, <laughs> you could, well, I got on the porch and got got my picture taken just, yeah. just for the heck of it. Joy took my picture. But, I mean, I thought, well, how does a governor, and it was a small house, Yeah. but it was on a hill, and anybody could walk right up on the porch. Could you see Russia from there? No, <laughs> I couldn't see Russia, darn Yeah, it. Not, qu- not quite close enough. So, Hillsborough residents, concerned about a business that wants to move into their neighborhood. Uh, Louis Jirachi applied two months ago for a permit to build two air curtain incinerators in the Lutz area on Crystal Lake Road. Now, the Environmental Protection Commission of Hillsborough warns that it could cause air pollution by generating smoke and dust from the burning and handling of materials like yard waste. And because it's near a residential populated area, there are a lot of families concerned that their kids could be affected, and it's just generally unpleasant. Nobody likes it when the incinerator moves into your neighborhood. Well, I'll go along with that. That's right. (laughs) So there's going to be a meeting, uh, a virtual community meeting uh, next week to give residents an overview of the project and get some public comments. And you can imagine the kinds of things that they will be saying about the proposed incinerator. Now, now where is this? What neighborhood? This is in Hillsborough in the the Lutz area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so north. So NASA's effort to send a woman to the moon takes a big step forward today. The Space, space Launch Systems rocket that will be part of the Artemis One mission will be rolled out tonight at the Kennedy Space Center, and it will launch in about two weeks on a 42-day mission around the moon. No one aboard the Orion capsule on that mission, but if it's successful, it could lead to Artemis Two which would launch in a couple of years, and that will have two astronauts orbiting the moon and possibly the first woman to go up that far. So that is a significant development, uh, you know, as far as astronauts go. But still a lot of work to get uh, the missions all ready to go to get back to the moon. After so many years, Jack, I mean, when was the last time we went to the moon? Like in the early 70s, right? when man walked on the moon. A half century ago. Yeah. So that's what they're working on over at the Cape. Yep, they're moving well forward, and uh, big things getting done. They've got a launch coming up, I think it's Friday. I'm not sure what that one is, but there is going to be a launch from Canaveral Yeah, Friday afternoon, I think at around 325 or something like that. Well, we've got the SpaceX rockets, you know, that are launching the satellites, but I'll tell you, the, the one going to the moon would be the one to go out to see. Oh, yeah. That'll be quite a launch. That'll because be incredible. Those are those are big rockets, obviously, and so uh, you know we haven't had really gigantic launches, you know, since the shuttle. You know, when you had the three rockets going at the same time to launch the shuttle up. Um, now the other ones are spectacular to watch. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. If you get a chance to see a rocket launch, definitely go out and oh, see. Oh, by it. all means, yeah. yeah. But the big ones are the most awesome ones, no doubt. For sure. Well, Chris will have more coming up here in about ten minutes on am tampa bay thank you chris thanks jack and right now we're going to check the bay area flux here with john thomas live on 99.1 fm in pasco county this is am tampa bay with jack harris on news radio wfla and it's 
525 on AM Tampa Bay on a Tuesday morning. Um, and oh, I hear we're lighting up in there. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, we did a Twitter poll on do you think marijuana should be legal? Will you vote to make it legal? Because you're going to get the opportunity in 2024 in the presidential election uh, here in Florida to legalize recreational marijuana. And, Katie, how did the uh, poll come out on Twitter? 58% of people say yes, they would like to see recreational marijuana legalized in the state of Florida. 42% of people said no. Man. And that probably reflects the uh, statewide feeling about it. Because I saw one survey that indicated that, um, that it would probably pass. I think it was... This one had it about 62% uh, said they would vote for it. It was pretty much a reflection of, of how we stood here because I don't think it should be you know legalized because I think there's enough slow drivers out there. I think there's enough slow talkers <laughs> out there. But I, I know you said, you and uh, Katie yesterday said, oh, yeah, pass it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much So it. we're two to one in yeah. here. <laughs> well, if anybody has any thoughts on it, you can give us a call here at Eight hundred nine six nine nine three five two. How many votes do we have, by the way? Seven hundred fifty-three. Oh, that's good. Seven fifty-three. Well, that might reflect what's going to be happening. We will see, but we've got to wait till twenty twenty-four. Yeah. Before anything happens, of course, we're getting ready for the uh, big elections here in the state of Florida uh, coming up. Let's see, it'll be a week from today. And uh, that's going to be a pretty big deal. And, of course, you've got people wanting to, well, unseat people and that kind of thing. But it is voting time. And if you um, haven't, if you plan to do early voting, you can do it this week, of course, all over the Bay Area. Yeah, I got my ballot in the mail, and I had to do a lot of research because a lot of it for me was just voting on the circuit judges and all, and I had no idea who who anyone was. So I had to do a lot of research last week before yeah, that, I you know marked it. That's pretty tough on the judges yeah. because you see the politicking going on and people running for Congress or for commissions or things like that, but uh, you don't see so much of. Well, you do see some. We got signs out. I'll be glad when the election's over. So they can get all these <laughs> right. political signs out of people's yards. but It's just um, the signs don't tell you what they stand for. What they stand for? Yeah, yeah. What the, what, what, you know, how am I supposed to know who to vote for just, you know, by the signs? Oh, yeah. But I guess people still vote pretty much by their political leanings. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, we'll see how that plays out. It's 528 on AM Tampa Bay. Keeping you up on what's trending. Here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And at 537, what do we have trending this morning, Katie? Well, today is a good day to head over to one of our favorite places. I know it's one of your favorite places, Bush Gardens, because today is National Roller Coaster Day. Woohoo! Oh, boy. There's still a few uh, uh, roller coasters at Busch Gardens that I miss, that I remember being there. Busch Gardens looks so different than it did even like 10, 15 years ago, let alone when you were doing your show at Busch Gardens, Jack. 
Oh, I still have that picture of of you on the old uh-huh. TV show Harrison Company trying to take the microphone away from me. I got to put that back up on the blog. Maybe I'll do that for Throwback Thursday. I know you're going to have a different story, but this Thursday I will put that video back up on the blog because I'm sure a lot of our listeners have not seen it. What's your favorite coasters? Um, mine at Bush Gardens specifically are Cheetah Hunt. That is mine. I like Sheikra, but I can't ride it as well as I used to. I get a lot more scared than I used to. I'm not as fearless when it comes to roller coasters yeah. anymore. I've gotten fearful in my older years. I'm with you. I'm scared now. I, I got to give it a try. I'm 34. Come on. I need to be riding coasters <laughs> now. What about you, Jack? Uh, I rode the first one. In fact, um, myself and an actor from Seinfeld and you rode the very first roller coaster ever we were the f- on the first ride on oh, wow. the first roller coaster that's when i was doing my show out there when they put up that first roller coaster huh. at bush gardens right huh just the first roller coaster at bush gardens yeah like I, not in general the first roller coaster ever just first roller coaster no, at bush yeah, gardens back at in bush gardens i think that was I think that roller coaster is still there. I believe that was Kumba that you wrote. I remember seeing that video of you and the guy from Seinfeld. And yeah. I want to say it was Kumba. It was like the purple one. I think I think it was. Yeah, and that one's still there. It's still running. At least as far as I know it is. It's also National Rum Day, by the way. Don't suggest mixing the two. And if you are going to mix the two, maybe celebrate Roller Coaster Day before you celebrate National Rum Day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I definitely think that should be the case. Also, I saw this. It's not until August 27th, but a lot of people like the Bring Your Own Cup Day to 7-Eleven. People like bringing their kids. It makes it fun. You can bring anything instead of a cup like if you wanted to bring a, your hard hat from work or a boot or something you can do that so that's coming back to 7-Eleven on August 27th it's called bring your own cup day so people people have fun with that it's always fun to see what people come up with oh yeah i remember someone brought like a half a watermelon in and filled it with a slurpee so it's just a <laughs> fun thing 7-Eleven is doing to bring their customers in yeah by the way going back to the bush gardens days when I came here, there was a bird show, and that was pretty much it. Bush Gardens and a bird show, and they had a couple of bars and a restaurant, and that was that was it. I mean, you didn't have all the animals and all of the other things you have now. I mean, it, it was very, very small, too, very right. petite little area there. It's turned into quite an asset for the Tampa Bay area. I love how many animals they have there now. Oh, yeah. How many? <laughs> um, I'd have to look it up, yeah. but they have a lot of species there. Yeah, it's it's gotten really incredible over the years. Of course, that's 50 years of growth. Oh, yeah. It's 541 on AM Tampa Bay, and we're going to check in with John Thomas. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And it's 545, and Katie, I understand we got some calls to straighten me out here. Yeah, well, I guess the first roller coaster at Bush Gardens was Python, and James, you said it was 1970 what? 1976, yeah, July 1st. 1976, but the roller coaster you rode with, I looked it up, it was Kramer, it was Michael Richards who you were with, which this video yeah, is absolutely... from the 
Seinfeld show. Yeah. This is hilarious. I found the whole the whole segment on YouTube, the whole 20 minutes of it. But you rode Kumba back in 1993, and it was the grand opening of that ride. So it oh, was wow. the first day that ride opened. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't the first roller coaster. Right. The first roller coaster was about tw- almost 20 years before that, and that was Python, which I do remember that roller coaster. It sat in the back. It was a yellow coaster, and it lasted like eight seconds. It was a very, very quick <laughs> roller coaster. I love roller coasters. Don't eat pythons. Would you still ride them? Like, do you, do you still feel like you'd ride roller coasters? Oh, I haven't in a long time, but I certainly would if I were around one. I like roller coasters, but I'm like I said earlier, I'm just becoming more terrified with as I grow older. I'm not as fearless as I used to be. <laughs> You've got a long ways to go before you I know. get old. <laughs> I, I won't even ride that drop tower that they have at Bush Gardens, that Falcon's Fury one. It's not a roller coaster. It's that big tower that takes you to the top, and then it tilts your seat towards the ground and drops you. Oh, yeah. I have no desire to ride that. I've had people offer to pay me like 100 bucks, and I'm like, no, thank you. My life's not worth that. Aw. Yeah, that one is a little more frightening than a roller coaster. Yeah, at least a roller coaster, it's quick and done. But I've ridden it and at the fair, and I'll do it. <laughs> Let's do it again. Oh, Let's yeah. Let's just go. Let's just have a, an AM Tampa Bay outing. Group Everybody, outing. Everybody's invited. It gets more and more fun. There's probably a lot of new coasters there since you've been there. You remember the wooden roller coaster that they had there, Jack? Yeah, I sure do. They reopened that as Iron Gwazi, and now it's like a steel wooden roller coaster hybrid. Hmm. Well, I got to get back out to Bush Gardens again. It's been so long. Like I say, when I went there, it was a little bird show, and of course they had that huge Budweiser brewery out front, but right. huge four-story building, and uh, that one took tourists would go check the Budweiser brewery. They used to have they used to do so much with beer. I know they still have their free beer samples, but it's not like it used to be. I remember when I used to go with my family, like it was a point to go get your free beer from the Budweiser tent. They yep. used to have the Budweiser horses that they stored there over in the in the stables and those aren't there yep. anymore either. They turned that into a roller coaster. Well, uh Bush Gardens has certainly grown immensely over the 50 years, 52 years that I've been here. And still growing, by all means. Um, but And it's going to continue to grow. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the thing. And it's Again, it's a real plus for the uh, Tampa Bay area. Adventure Island, too. It's nice to have that across the street. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think. I don't think that was way after we did our show out there, I believe. Probably, yeah, I do think Adventure Island came later. I don't remember going to Adventure Island as a young, young kid. By the way, speaking of attractions, they're now talking about whether or not to get those gondolas running from downtown Clearwater out to Clearwater Beach. I think those would be fantastic. That'd be awesome. Because you got such a parking problem on Clearwater Beach anyway. That way they could run it from a big, big parking lot in downtown Clearwater and let people park there and then ride across to the beach 
I would, they're ready to leave, ride back. I would love that. I love Clearwater Beach. I think it is a beautiful area, but oh, I will fantastic. not go there because I hate driving in Clearwater Beach, and it 100% deters me from going there. Unless I have like a work event or something, I avoid Clearwater at all costs, and it is 100% because of parking. Yeah, I, the only time I want to go there is if I stay in one of those hotels because yeah. then you got valet parking. It's the way right. to do it. But um, I guarantee you the gondolas are great. I'd like to see them put gondolas between downtown St. Pete and downtown Tampa. Bring it on. Bring all the gondolas on. Across the bay. Of course, they've got gondolas now at Disney World. You can ride around there on those gondolas. But that would be, I mean, that's a start toward us getting some mass transit would be gondolas and the um, T-Barta is getting involved in it. Uh, Chris Jaddick, head of T-Barta, is, they're involved in this aerial gondola, uh, gondolas for the uh, Clearwater area. And, of course, he's pushing for ultimately getting mass transit for the Tampa Bay area. You know, I looked up gondolas, and I'm so <laughs> embarrassed right now uh, because there's gondolas that are boats, and they're little tiny tiny, tiny boats that only, like, two people could fit into. James I thought, thought you were talking about those. James thought we were talking about, like, the gondolas they have in Thailand. The long, like, narrow, flat-bottom boats. <laughs> I was like, no, the gondolas that float in the air. I call that a sky ride. <laughs> well, if you've got comments to make on gondolas, give us a call. And meantime, Rory O'Neill will be joining us in just a minute. It's 5.51 on AM Tampa Bay, and Check out the Asphalt Jungle now with John Thomas. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Live on 94.5 FM in Pinellas County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 5.55 and time to bring on Rory O'Neill now. And this report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, the... um, daughter of former Vice President Cheney is being challenged in Wyoming's GOP primary today. And what are her odds? Because she's become an anti-Trump type. Right. And her odds of winning the state that had, I think, the largest majority for Trump, uh, that's not a good mix. Uh, There are, by many poll estimates, uh, suggesting she'll lose by double digits in her primary today. You know, she is just uh, she's one of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach the former president uh, now facing a primary. Uh, Several have already lost and only two, really, uh, two members of Congress who voted to impeach are likely to survive uh, primary challenges. Others have also resigned, uh, like Adam Kinzinger. So uh, she is facing an uphill battle today. Lots of out of state money pouring in, even some Wyoming Democrats and 
there aren't that many of those. But even some Wyoming Democrats are switching to become Republicans today just to vote for Cheney in this primary. Yeah, and uh, it seems like that the anti-Trump people, the uh, anti-Trump GOPers, or the rhinos, some call them, are going to be in trouble election day today. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, and then other people who are supported by Trump are expected to win big today, namely up in Alaska, where there's a primary. Uh, Sarah Palin is expected to win that seat uh, and become a member of Congress representing Alaska. Uh, obviously, she is a big supporter of former President Trump. He made the trip all the way up to Alaska to support her, her campaign. This is the first time that Alaska is doing that uh, ranked choice voting system so i think there are two republicans and a democrat and then whoever ends up winning the primary uh wins the election well it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out because there are going to be so many races that are going to be carefully watched today um so we will talk more about it tomorrow and i guess you'll have some results for us I hope, well, God willing, we'll have some results by tomorrow morning unless something happens, but it looks like it, yes. Well, let's hope that's the case. And thank you, Rory. And Thanks, Jack. This report brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome and patient satisfaction and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations in the Bay Area make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com it's 557 on AM Tampa Bay Bloomberg Radio from Odessa to Clearwater this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris where Tampa Bay begins their morning and it's 607 on AM Tampa Bay with your rapacious rapporteurs Jack Harris, Katie Buccino and James Berlander and um, we got some birthdays to celebrate today. Alicia Wright, Barb Easy, I-Z-Z-I, um, Jeffrey Lee Tedder, and they probably just call him Jeff Tedder, David Beaumont. Also, I missed this one on August 5th. Rick Mull, our other listener, retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force, but he celebrated on his boogie board out in Cocoa Beach. So happy birthday to Alicia, Barb, Jeffrey, David, and a belated one for Rick. And do you all have any birthdays? I sure do. I have a few birthdays today. Travis McDonald, Alex Cordero, Nicholas Hazen, and John Decker. And I've got intern C, who used to intern here at WFLA uh, probably about six or seven years ago now, and also Officer Nicholas Michael. Well, happy birthday to all of them. And if they're birthdays you want to get on the air here, let us know. Call Katie or send us a text at 82945 and start your text with WFLA. Here's our uh, joke of the day. This one comes from Ben Ritter. John the chicken farmer was in the fertilized egg business. He had several hundred young egg layers or pullets and eight or ten roosters whose job was to fertilize the eggs. And the farmer kept records, and any rooster that didn't perform went into the soup pot and was replaced. 
monitoring the roosters took an awful lot of his time, so he bought a set of tiny bells and attached them to his roosters. And each bell had a different tone, so John could tell the from a distance which rooster was performing. Now he could sit on his porch and have a beer while filling out efficiency reports simply by listening to the bells. His favorite rooster was old Brewster, and a very fine specimen too, but Brewster was getting along in age, and one morning John noticed Brewster's bell hadn't rung at all, and John went to investigate hatchet in hand, preparing for the worst. The other roosters were chasing the pullets, bells ringing, and the pullets, hearing the roosters coming, would run for cover, but to Farmer John's amazement, Brewster had his bell in his beak so it couldn't ring. He'd sneak up on a pullet, do his job, and then strut on to the next one. John was so proud of old Brewster, he entered him in the county agricultural fair, and Brewster became an overnight sensation with the judges. In fact, they were so impressed, they entered him in the international competition where he was awarded two of the world's most coveted prizes, the Nobel Peace, P-I-E-C-E Prize, the Nobel Peace Prize, and the Pulitzer Prize, the Pulitzer Prize. Got to explain those. Ben, you're going to have to send simpler jokes. <laughs> well, do you all have any? I do have a joke. I just lost it. Um, yeah, I don't know where it went. <laughs> All right, Jack. So what, what happens when a frog's car breaks down? When a, uh, he gets towed. Yep. Wow, that was good. Oh, uh, I found it. How does a rabbi make his coffee? Um, hmm. Let's see. He brews it. He brews it. Oh. He brews it. <laughs> he brews it. All right. Well, with our apologies now, we'll move on to other stuff here. It's 611 and John Thomas. 871. Live on the free iHeartRadio app, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 615 on AM Tampa Bay. And if you want to add anything here, give us a call at 800 969 9352. This has become quite an issue, uh, the Florida law prohibiting gender identity and sexual orientation instruction. This is only in grades kindergarten through third grade, and it's left some of the teachers confused, they say. But Florida schools have moved library books and debated changing textbooks in response to a new state law, and some teachers have worried that family pictures on their desks could get them in trouble. Um, and as students return from summer break, educators are cautiously adjusting and waiting to see how the new law governing lessons on gender and sex orientation will be interpreted and enforced. It's the new Parental Rights and Education Law which was championed, of course, by Governor DeSantis, but it bans lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity 
in kindergarten through third grades, as well as material that is not deemed age-appropriate, and most educators don't expect a major change in lesson plans, but one of the key reasons critics cited in saying the law was unnecessary was that teachers do not cover such subjects in early grades anyway. And I'm wondering why this has become an issue if teachers aren't covering it. I mean, that's something that was never covered when I was a kid. And you got your sex education from your parents. Did you get your sex education from your parents, James? Uh, yeah, and it was uh, quite awkward because I, I was full of questions at the time when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, kids yeah. are for sure. How about you, Katie? Um, I mean, I got a little both. I got my sex education in school. I got a little talk from my mom, so a little of both. And a lot from the Internet. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, yeah, today you've got the Internet <laughs> and, and social media and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's offers sex education in itself. Right. Totally. But that's something we never had a problem with was the LGBTQ issue and all of that stuff like that. Yeah, back then we weren't really taught anything about, you know, all that. We're just talking the basics. Yeah, I had one of my best friends when I was young was gay, and I knew it. We didn't call it gay back then. They used the term queer back then. Right. But, I mean, he was a great guy, and I never had any relations with him, but he was a good friend. But um, that is amazing what's happening here. And But the one thing is the Florida debate reflects one that's first of all being played out nationwide you got fights in school boards and state legislatures over how children learn about race and gender and sexual orientation and even american history today but desantis and other republicans have argued that parents should be the ones in control of teaching their children about sexual orientation and gender identity. I would agree with that because I think orientation is different than, you know, what they should be teaching in school about possibly, you know, having safe sex. At least, yeah. you know, back in when in my day, you know, they would say, "Oh, just abstain, you know, don't don't have sex at all." You know the kids aren't going to listen to that. Oh yeah. But when it comes to orientation, yeah, leave that to the parents. Yeah, now there is a problem if kid has parents that won't do it or bad parents or something like that. Right. But generally speaking, it should be a parental thing. I mean, if anything, they're going to learn about orientation from their friends. Because people like to experiment anyway. And they say that what um, schools ought to be teaching is reading, writing, and arithmetic. Exactly. There's too many stupid people out there. Sexual orientation doesn't need to be done. But anyway, this is going to go on for a while, I'm sure, but... We'll see how that plays out. Some school board members said new textbooks showed pictures of condoms, diaphragms, and intrauterine devices that were just too graphic for middle school students. And I think, again, they've probably seen them all anyway online. It's 620 and time to check out traffic with John Thomas. 
The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 624 on this Tuesday morning, and we're joined now by Aaron Royale, our NBC News radio reporter. And Aaron, we've got, uh, well, investments have been on a roller coaster over the past year, but one of the big things that's emerged is cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and things like that. Um, what's the deal with that anyway? That's right, Jack. So while, you know, the market's been up and down and, and more volatile in the face of the pandemic currently back up, cryptocurrency has had an even bigger ride. So a lot of the retail investors, the guys and gals that are trading from their laptops in their homes, they're a little spooked right now and hesitant to jump back into the crypto market. Um, Their wounds from Bitcoin 70% plunge since November highs of $69,000. They're still fresh. But Crypto is, uh, particularly Bitcoin, it's trading right under $24,000 this morning. You have Ether, that's up, that's an alternative coin, that's up 50%, um, trading around 2000 So it, it's coming back online, but the interesting part is that institutional investors, the, the big players, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, the big old guard, true blue banks, they're among the firms that have dedicated groups for cryptocurrency and its underlying blockchain. Also, just this week, BlackRock, said that they're partnering with Coinbase, which is a an, ex, an exchange for buying and selling cryptocurrency. And they're doing this to make it easier for their institutional investors, the pension funds, the municipalities. They're doing this so that they can manage and trade Bitcoin. And, and it's followed by another announcement that the asset manager is also going to offer the first ever investment product directly in the token. So this is this is big stuff in the sense that, you know, the folks who, quote unquote, are the smart money really know what they're doing? They're on board with crypto this go round. Have you used Bitcoin yet? It's a great question. And in re- short answer, no. But in researching this story, first of all, this was a veritable research. I thought it'd be kind of fun and quick. No, hours of research to get ready for this. But I, I thought, I was like, no, I should buy a little bit of a cryptocurrency just to figure it out. Not a lot. I'll buy a dollar or something. And I went to Venmo because Venmo, which is owned by PayPal, allows you to buy as as little as a dollar of cryptocurrency. And then you can use it to pay wherever PayPal or Venmo is accepted, which is really, really fascinating. But when you get to the part where you're ready to buy, it's asking for your social security number and all of this other stuff. And it gave me pause. I'm like, how will the IRS, and not that, I matter or anything I'm buying matters, but it's just, I don't know. I guess I'm very conservative when it comes to financial decisions. And I, even with all of my research, I still feel not completely competent in my knowledge of this, this sector. What about you? Have you used it? No, I certainly haven't. I'm not familiar with it at all. I'm just wondering, can you use it to pay for your groceries at Publix? You know what? So if you have, if you pay for your groceries at Publix with your phone, if you have a wallet, a digital wallet where you use Apple Pay or anything like that, short answer, yes, you can use it. In fact, major retailers that accept it, Microsoft, Overstock, Whole Foods, Etsy, Starbucks, Home Depot, they will all accept this uh, cryptocurrency. And it's coming online more and more. And I think the more that people use digital wallets and pay with their phones, the more likely this is to become an actual usable payment method. 
Um, but today, no. I, but I would never consider myself a first-generation adopter of anything. So that I'm, <laughs> that's just my personal position. But that doesn't mean it's wrong and that people who know it aren't they're, – they're making lots of money. Hmm. All right, James and Katie, have you used Bitcoins yet? I've bought and sold Bitcoin in the past, but I don't currently hold any. No. I still don't really understand it. Not a clue. No desire to do it. <laughs> I'm sticking with cash. Yeah. I mean, I want to be rich. I just I cannot wrap my mind around how it works. I just dabble in the real stock market is about it. <laughs> uh, there you have it, yeah. Aaron Real, thanks for joining us this morning. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Aaron, our NBC News radio reporter. It's 629 on AM Tampa Bay. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And it's 638. Katie, who is our dope of the day? Well, his name is Jack Edward Fisher, and he's 18 years old, lives over in Flagler County. This guy's an idiot for multiple reasons. First of all, he's a drug dealer, and he was trying to sell drugs, and he texted the wrong person. He was trying to sell some <laughs> cocaine, and instead of sending it to whatever buddy usually buys his coke, he sent it to Flagler County Commissioner Joe Mullins and offered to sell him an eight ball of cocaine. So Mullins obviously told the sheriff's office of the text message, informing them of a drug dealer. They went to find this kid and he had enough fentanyl to kill 1,585 wow. people. Oh my lord. Fentanyl is a big thing. It's laced with a lot of drugs. I know I don't need to explain this to anybody listening but it's killing a lot of people and it's becoming a lot more popular. Like Pretty much every cocaine you get you hear lately is laced with fentanyl and it's really scary. So this 18 year old to be caught with that much fentanyl it's just scary it's sad and he's a freaking idiot for texting the wrong person i mean like double tech double check your text messages before you send it to who's what drug dealers are just randomly sending text messages like hey want to buy some cocaine is that how yeah, is that how it writing. works <laughs> no, nothing in writing Come yeah on. i i don't know i mean i'm not like a drug dealer but i just assume that's not the best move and if you're gonna just be soliciting text messages for your fentanyl laced drugs uh maybe double check the phone number yes so i think moron. that's a good idea i'll tell you that fentanyl that hasn't been a major problem until all of a sudden our borders are wide open and that fentanyl is pouring across the borders and we haven't done anything to stop it and i still and I don't know why we haven't decided to do this. We got to put three divisions of our military down there to protect America on our border. Keep the fentanyl out. And I wanted to bring up that that much fentanyl to kill 1,585 people, 3.17 grams. So that's not a lot. That no, stuff is sure very is. potent. And you're right. I'm the borders did not help the fentanyl crisis that we have. Well, they certainly haven't. Well, that's our dope of the day, and that's our Katie passing the word on here. And it's 640, time to check with John Thomas on our morning migration. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now, taking a look back at this day in history on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 644 today in history for August 16th. And this day in history is presented by the Duncan Duo. 1777 in the American Revolutionary War, Americans led by General John Stark rout the British and Brunswick troops under Frederick Baum at the Battle of Bennington in Walloomsack, New York. 1780, the Revolutionary War Battle of Camden, the British defeat the Americans near Camden, South Carolina. 1812, the War of 1812, American General William Hull surrenders Fort Detroit without a fight to the British Army. 1841, President John Tyler vetoed a bill which called for the reestablishment of the Second Bank of the United States. Enraged Whig Party members rioted outside the White House in what was the most violent demonstration on White House grounds in U.S. history. 1858, President James Buchanan inaugurated the new transatlantic telegraph cable by exchanging greetings with Queen Victoria of the United Kingdom. However, a weak signal forced a shutdown of the service in just a few weeks. 1896, Skookum Jim Mason, George Carmack, and Dawson Charlie discovered gold in a tributary of the Klondike River in Canada, which set off the Klondike Gold Rush. 1916, the Migratory Bird Treaty between Canada and the U.S. is signed. 1920, Ray Chapman of the Cleveland Indians is hit on the head by a fastball thrown by Carl Mays of the New York Yankees and dies early the next day. Chapman was the second player to die from injuries sustained in a Major League Baseball game, the first being Doc Powers in 1909. 1927, the Dole Air Race begins from Oakland, California to Honolulu, Hawaii, during which six out of the eight participating planes crash or disappear. 1930, the first color sound cartoon, Fiddlesticks, is released by Ube Iwerks. 1944, the first flight of a jet with forward swept wings. The Junkers in 287, or the number 287 is the number of the plane, but it had the wings which went toward the front instead of toward the back, as all airplanes do now. 1954, the first issue of Sports Illustrated is published. 1960, Joseph Kittinger parachutes from a balloon over New Mexico at 102,800 feet, setting three records that held until 2012 the high-altitude jump free fall, and the highest speed by a human without an aircraft. 1966, the Vietnam War, the House Un-American Activities Committee began 
investigations of Americans who had aided the Viet Cong. The committee intended to introduce legislation making these activities illegal. Anti-war demonstrators disrupted the meeting, and 50 people were arrested. I was over there then. 1977, Elvis Presley passed away at the age of 42. He had a heart attack, and they feel that it was an overdose of prescription drugs. Oh, yeah. And in 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 255, the McDonnell Douglas MD-82, crashed after takeoff in Detroit, killing 154 of the 155 on board, plus two people on the ground. 2008, the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Chicago is topped off at 1,389 feet, and at the time, that was the world's highest residence above ground level. 2020, the August complex fire in California burned more than one million acres of land. And in 1886, the Tampa mayor's salary is boosted to $25 a month. That would be about $725 a month now. Currently, the mayor makes $84,000 or $7,000 a month. And that is our Today in History for August 16th, presented by the Duncan Duo. Get your career booming and be a part of the number one real estate team in Florida. Visit now. Join Duncan or the duo.com, the duo.com. It's 6.50 and time to check our coming and going now with John Thomas. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. 6.54, we hadn't mentioned that the uh, Rays came up with a big one last night. And uh, Aaron Jacobson, were you watching any of the game? I caught some of that game last night before going to bed, and uh, nice win for the for the Rays. Oh, what shutting out the Yankees, and the Yankees were shut out by the Red Sox the night before, and it's the first time the Yankees have been shut out in back to back games since 2016. Oh my lord! That's how much of a you know huge offense the Yankees have, where you shut them out twice. That doesn't happen often. Yeah, you're a Mets fan, right? I am. I was at City Field on Sunday watching the Mets in New York. Yeah, not a not a Yankees lover at all. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> Anytime I watch the Yankees get beat up like by like they did last night, I get this joy. I don't know why I get this. I was with all Yankee fans this weekend, and because the Mets are good, I had my chest pumped out a little more this weekend. <laughs> hey, they're the Tampa Yankees. Who do their summer training in New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know about that. Rays fans well, don't like that. I used to be good buddies with George Steinbrenner, so I had to be a Yankees fan. Knew his family and everything. And I never used to like George until the stories, I when he was already gone, uh, the stories I heard from you and when Ted was with us. Ted, you know, you spoke glowingly yeah. of George Steinbrenner. So I'm I'm okay with the late great George Steinbrenner. I just hate the Yankees. <laughs> well, they uh, have 
three more games with the Yankees tonight, Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Royals are going to be here at the Trop. Is it that th- is it three more games with the Yankees? Yeah, they got a four-game series. Wow. But it's good because they're at the top of our division. Hey, by the way, i got to give a shout-out to our other listener, uh, Kim Keller, uh, who's a neighbor of ours, in, uh, and her little puppy named Lubbock, which I assume she's from Lubbock, Texas. Also, Beth Bennett, that we ran into last night at Bella's, and Susan Went, Alan Went's wife. And want to say good morning to Kim and Beth and Susan. And we'll talk to Kim, Beth, Susan, and you again tomorrow beginning at 5 on AM Tampa Bay. Live it up. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.